Well, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, and as we said at the beginning, we've come to our Father um, in heaven, hallowed be your name. And now we come to the, the next bit, um, and um, it reminds me of a, of a story about uh, there was a little church in Yorkshire where the preacher who was leading the service was praying the most wonderful, eloquent prayer. Oh Lord, Heavenly Father, Mighty God, Almighty, Everlasting, and he was going on and on uh, at great length, doing exactly what actually we were told we must do last time. Hallowed be your name, thinking all the names of God, and uh, suddenly, uh, as could only happen in Yorkshire, a lady in the back row said, here lad, stop telling him who he is, and ask him for someone. You know, because we tend to think of prayers as asking. And asking is a very important part of prayer. But the first part of the prayer is pure praise. And, and I think we, we're not good at that, actually, in churches. I, I often find in every church I've been in, when you have a, a, a prayer, a time of open prayer, just coming together and praising God is something that people don't find very easy uh, they want to get on to asking him to bless so-and-so who's got a broken leg or, you know, or the, 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 you know, praying for all the needs of intercession. But intercession comes later. So rightfully, the prayer begins with pure praise to our God. And then when we come to the first petition, the first thing that we ask for, it's very clear. Your kingdom come, and as we've just been singing, seek first the kingdom of God, says Jesus. That's the first thing we should ask for. Not for our personal needs, although, of course, you know, when we come, we just pray. When you're praying, you know, you just pour it all out, don't you, when you're praying on your own. But actually, Jesus says, when you pray, this is the, the best way to pray. Ask God that his kingdom will come, and actually, if that happens, everything else falls into place. So, the question I want to ask today is, what is God's kingdom? We've already started to look at that with the children. There's some really good answers what God's kingdom might be like. Um, but thankfully, um, in Matthew's version of the prayer, uh, notice in, in Luke's, is a very condensed version, um, just your kingdom come. In Matthew's version, there's like, the, in the Hebrew, typical Hebrew style of parallelism, there's a, another line that echoes the meaning of the first and amplifies it. So, your kingdom come... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And actually, I want to say not as it's usually said in church. Your kingdom come, your will be done, pause, on earth as it is in heaven. No, actually, your will be done on earth. That is the essence of the prayer. There's no comma in there. It goes straight on. Um, so um, if you can give us the, the picture up on the screen, Steve. So... In a sense, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's all the same petition. It's actually asking for the same thing. But, but actually, um, by expanding it slightly, it helps us to understand uh, exactly uh, what, we're, what we're actually asking for. So, there are three questions here. What is earth? Second question, what is heaven? And then, perhaps we can ask... What is God's kingdom? Um, so let's, let's have a look at these, at these questions. Um, first of all, um, the earth. Oops, there we go. The earth is uh, actually the dwelling place of God's creation. 
Now, it's the only bit that we actually know personally, although, of course, as we were thinking the other day, the universe is vast, and it's all God's creation. But all of our human experience is what we experience on Earth. We don't know what's going on out there in space. You know, we, we know quite a lot about it, but we don't know if there's any other civilizations. There might be. God could create whatever he wants to. But actually, the Earth is all of our experience of living. It is the place where God has decided to create such a wonderful, wonderful uh, planet. And uh, uh, if you're, like me, interested in, one, in wildlife and, and natural history, uh, it's just stunning. I mean, even, even in Somerset, you don't have to go... I'm just saying to Karen, we don't need to go on holiday now. We can just stay in Somerset. Um, uh, we were up at um, Ham Walls, um, at the reserve on Friday, and uh, watching the bitterns and photographing marsh harriers and things. It's just absolutely superb, isn't it? Um, but everything that we experience is here on, on the earth. But in terms of God's uh, view of the earth, can anyone remember in the reading we had at the beginning, and in Paul's reading, what God describes the earth as? His footstool. God describes the earth as his footstool. And what do you use a footstool for? <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> uh, it's where he rests his feet. It, it, it's his contact. In a sense, you know, wherever we put our feet, we're making contact with the earth. So, in a sense, God is not remote, uh, except that he, he is separate from his creation, but his feet are making contact. It's where it's his touching place. God touches the earth. And um, those, uh, I'm sure Mike will, will, will um, put you right here, but the same word, footstool, is used not only for the earth, but also for the, 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 the ark, the, the mercy seat, the touching place of God. So in the Holy of Holies, when people went uh, to worship God, this is the place where God was found, the Holy of Holies. The word, same word, footstool, is used for that as it is for the earth. Isn't that incredible? So that makes the earth a holy place. Because God's got his feet on it. It's his touching place. So what about the, the heavens? Well, we have a very different understanding of the heavens today than the people who wrote the scriptures. Because their worldview was not a scientific worldview. It was, it was based on what they could see and experience at the time. So when we read about the word heaven, heavens, notice heavens plural, um, they had a, a, an idea that the the heavens were in a number of layers. And um, the first layer, the lowest layer, you can read about in Job, the word the heavens, is the, is the part where the clouds and the thunder and the rain come from. Now, what would we call that? We could call it the sky, the atmosphere. I think we would call it the atmosphere. It's where all the clouds and, you know, so, so basically the first few hundred thousand, a few tens of thousands of feet. Uh, that's the lowest heavens in terms of the biblical understanding. Um, and they looked up and they saw the clouds that was in the heavens. <clears throat> but they were also aware that above that, there was another layer of heavens. And if you look in um, Psalm 19, you can do the heavens declare the glory of God. The place where all the heavenly bodies and, you know, for years and years and years people have stared at the sky and been amazed at the universe that we can see. Um, so the next layer of heavens is the sun, the moon, and the stars. And uh, the next layer of heavens 
is what Paul describes as the third heaven. It's a layer of heaven where the spiritual beings, the the angels, live. It's a kind of an angelic heaven with angels floating around and it's this spiritual level that is being referred to, particularly there in the New Testament by Paul. But there is another heaven. What's that one called, do you think? If I tell you it's higher than the other ones, it's called the, the highest heaven. And so when the Bible talks about the highest heaven, it's actually talking about the place where God himself dwells. So that, that makes a great deal of sense, doesn't it? Certainly in, an old, in a world view of people thousands of years ago, that made a lot of sense, the different layers of heaven. So when we talk about heaven, um, it could mean a number of different things. But as far as we're concerned, when Jesus says, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven... Which heaven do you think Jesus is talking about? Yeah, he's talking about the highest heaven. So God reigns. It's it's the place where God reigns. So put very simply, heaven is where God is. The earth is where our creation is. Now, is there a gulf between them? I think there is. There's a physical gulf. Because if people think that, you know, God is up there, um, then there's there's a physical gulf. But actually, we also know, because we can read the first chapters of the Bible, that there is a spiritual gulf as well. Because human beings uh, are separated from God because of our sin. So you could put another layer in there of, of sin, which stops us having that unique, intimate relationship with God that was... Adam did in, in the garden. So um, there, is a, there is a barrier between the heavens and, and the earth, um, both spiritual and, and physical. Uh, but of course, uh, actually, there's something else here as well. Of course, we don't like to talk about it, but what's called often in the Old Testament the Sheol, it's, uh, it's the depths, hell, it's, it's the place of the dead, it's the place under the earth. Um, and, and one of the things about it is that God is not there. It's, it's a kind of an absence of God. So you, you've got a place where God is, which is heaven. You've got a place where God isn't, which is, which is hell. And then, of course, earth is his touching place. And of course, where is God? Well, he's, he's everywhere. You can find him. Um, but he wants to reign on the earth as in heaven. You see? So this is... This is, the, this is the prayer, that, as God reigns in heaven, that he might actually reign on the earth. Does that make sense? Oh, good. Uh, you, okay, so... Oh, clicked. Right, so Jesus um, tried for a whole of his life, actually, to answer the question, what is the kingdom? If you, if you read the New Testament... Much of Jesus' teaching, I would say most of Jesus' teaching, was about the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. Um, Notice Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven. Uh, In in the other Gospels, it's the kingdom of God. Um, And that's because Matthew was preaching mainly to Jews, who who don't like to use the name God, uh, because it's a holy God, so he used the word heaven to make it easier for them. Um, uh, So Jesus used a lot of uh, agricultural illustrations to try to describe what heaven is like. It's like a seed planted in a field. Um, So what does that tell us about the kingdom? Sorry? It grows. It's something that grows. It's something also that starts small, and it's alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
It's like yeast in bread dough. Same thing. It's a very small organism, yeast, but it, it expands quickly. It grows. Uh, and I would say also it makes a difference. It makes, it makes a difference. If you have bread without yeast, it's, it's not the same as, as the bread that my wife makes. So there we go. Um, it's like treasure hidden in a field. And, and there's two things in that. And the, there's something about the value of it. The kingdom is something incredibly valuable. And yet there's something about the hiddenness of it. That not everybody finds it. But it's there. Um, it's hidden in a field. So I think we can, uh, we can de- determine a few things about the kingdom. The kingdom of God is about the rule of God. It's not a geographical kingdom. It's uh, about where God is in charge, where God reigns. And uh, we've already said, um, and I asked Paul to finish at verse 1 of chapter 66 uh, of Isaiah, because it's got the lovely phrase, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So where does God reign? And absolutely correct, we've got, he reigns in heaven. The earth is his footstool. Where does he want to reign? He wants to reign on earth, and, and absolutely right, in our heart, that's right. So the, the prayer, your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, um, we might add the word already. Um, let your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. You know, we don't have to say, Lord, will you reign in heaven, because God does reign in heaven. But the prayer is, Lord, will you reign on earth? It's about letting God reign on earth. We were singing earlier, reign in me, sovereign Lord, reign in me. It's about the earthing of heaven. I quite like that expression. I've I've put it in the the notes that I sent round for the house groups. You might like to think about the earthing of heaven, bringing heaven down to earth. Which, of course, is exactly what God did. Um, we'll be singing in about six months' time. Someone did point out to me uh, the other day on Facebook that it's not that long till Christmas. He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all, we'll be singing, won't we? Um, so the, the, the Christmas story, the nativity, is about the earthing of heaven, heaven coming down to earth. Um, and when we pray this prayer, King your kingdom come, literally, in, in the Greek words, it is come kingdom of God. Come kingdom of God. It's an it's a, a emphatic, uh, it's a command. Um, it, it's saying, it's an imperative, come kingdom. Does that sound a bit arrogant to tell God what to do? <clears throat> but it, would, it, it isn't. If, if actually you're asking God for what God wants... It's not arrogant, is it, to say, come kingdom? Um, uh, because that's actually what we're... This, this, this prayer, I mean, we often trot it out, don't we? The Lord's Prayer, it, it just wrote, and we don't actually stop to think about some of those words. Come kingdom of God, on earth as it is in heaven. That's really what this prayer is actually saying. And it does point out something about God's purpose. So often, I'm going to be controversial here, so often I hear people say that being a Christian is about going to heaven when I die. 
I think, actually, we need to read the text carefully. Because I think God's purpose is not to take people to heaven. I think God's purpose is to bring heaven to earth. And actually, the final destination of all of us is the new creation when heaven and earth are the same. We'll we'll look at that in a minute. So we need to be a bit careful how we use, we use language. Of course we want to go to heaven because that means we want to be where God is. And in that, it's absolutely absolutely right. But actually God's purpose is to bring heaven to earth. And hence the vision in Isaiah 65, written some 700 years before Christ, was an incredible picture of what it will be like when heaven comes to earth. The mourning and crying of God. There's a restored harmony of creation uh, with the lion and the lamb and the, the ox uh, all, all it together. It, it's a pictorial language. Let's not try to get too literal about some of those things, but it's, it's painting a picture of what it will be like when heaven comes down to earth. And of course, that very passage in Isaiah 65 is, is picked up, the theme is picked up, isn't it, in the very... Oh, penultimate chapter of the Bible in Revelation 21 and when the the Apostle John in his vision sees a new heaven and a new earth and a new Jerusalem coming down from God from heaven. He sees the the realisation of this vision that Isaiah had and he sees it and, and, and he points out that the new creation is the goal of history. Where is history going? Well, you know, if you're Richard Dawkins you say uh, everything's blind and it's, got, it's not going anywhere. It's just muddling on. But actually, Christians, uh, we, we believe that there is a goal and a purpose, that there is a final fulfilment of history, and it's coming um, when the new creation comes. But I would like to point out, if you look carefully at Revelation 21, it says this, Behold, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Do you see that? Check it up. Go on, look in your Bibles. Make sure I'm right. Uh, Revelation 21, a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, the picture of the lots of heavens, the different layers of heavens, has been altered now. So there is only one heaven. It's where God lives and a new earth. But actually, um, if you look in that picture, it's God will dwell among his people and they will be with him. And somebody picked that up earlier. So the new creation, there is no separation between God and his people. There's no gulf, because sin has been dealt with, and we are the one in in the new creation, we're one people under God. All the nations together, it won't matter what language you speak, uh, actually, we'll all be one, we'll have one heavenly father, and we'll live with him. And he will wipe away his uh, tears personally. Most other things, in, in, in Revelation, God sends his angels to do stuff. But actually, in Revelation 21, he personally, the Father, wipes away our tears. That's, that's pretty good news. The other thing I'd like to point out is the word new. Um, there are two Greek words for new. There's neos, which means often used, is, is used to mean brand new. And there's kainos, which means renovated. Uh, There is some interchangeability between these, so my friends who are Greek scholars tell me. Um, I'm not an expert. But the the, the meaning here is it is a renewed earth. 
And whenever that word is used, kainos, it often means a renewed. When anyone is in Christ, he becomes a renewed creation. You know, when, when you become a Christian, you do not become a different person. You become the same person, but made into the person God wants you to be. You are renewed in the image of Christ. And um, so, God, we could go on a lot about this, couldn't we? Um, anyway, I'm just looking at the time. Now, um, some time ago, um, I uh, had put through my door one of these. Have you had one of those? All suffering soon to end. Do you recognise the literature? Yes. Yeah. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses uh, of, of, uh, you have various things that they promote different times, but the, you know, the, new, the new creation is something which is part of them and and you're all going to wear, all the ladies are going to wear nice, sensible skirts, and all the gentlemen are going to wear ties and look very middle class and, you know, um, quite a literal kind of view. But um, in a sense, you know, there is going to be a new creation, and for many people it's, it seems like nonsense. But actually that is central to our Christian belief, isn't it? Um, the thing that the, the Jehovah's Witnesses don't understand is actually the new creation comes in because of the cross of Jesus Christ. The new creation uh, starts with the death of Christ. The creator is nailed to a cross. Uh, His blood is poured out. Where does his blood go? On the earth. His blood is poured out on the earth um, in that act of of sacrifice. Um, the thing that the Jehovah's Witnesses don't get is that is in, in Christ, the fullness of God is there. He is fully God and fully man in the same person. And then the most important thing of all, the resurrection, he is the firstborn from among the dead. So that the new creation actually began when Christ was raised from the dead. So do we have a hope in Christ, which is firm? We do, because it's, it's something that's already happened 2,000 years ago. It's not all about the future. It's about something that is already here and being guaranteed. It's not just pie in the sky. And why did Christ do this? Well, um, in, in Paul's letter to the Colossians, he says, he did this to reconcile all things to himself. This is Christ who made all things in the new creation will bring all things to himself. That's amazing. That's why Isaiah's vision contains all of creation. It's not just saving souls for heaven. It's about the renewing of creation in all of its fullness. And and Jesus knew that it already began. That's why he said the kingdom of heaven is near you. The resurrection is the first fruits, but it's also the guarantee of everything that is to come. I mean, clearly, when we, when we were thinking about this world earlier, it's not all here yet, is it? You go and ask the people in Syria if they think the kingdom of heaven is here. They would probably link themselves more with the great tribulation, wouldn't they? But the guarantee is that the new creation is here and it is coming. Paul uses an interesting expression in Romans. He says, creation is groaning in eager anticipation of what? Of the sons of God to be revealed. So God's purpose in bringing in the new creation involves you and me, friends. 
Actually, he, he is waiting for us to be instruments and, uh, of this new creation that he's going to bring in. We are agents of the kingdom. The earthing of the heaven and bringing in the new creation is something that he involves his people, the sons and daughters of the living God, to do. So, what does the kingdom look like? Uh, when we pray, your kingdom come, what are we asking for? And another question, will we see the kingdom of God if it does come? If our prayer is answered, will we see it or will we just not notice that the kingdom of heaven is coming? Well, I spent a day on two farms yesterday with an organisation called the John Ray Initiative that's Christians concerned with conservation and environment, environmental issues. And we spent uh, one, one the morning at um, Glebe, Glebe Farm in Pitney, uh, which is a small organic farm, and then the afternoon at Dillington Estates, which is a massive farm that makes, produces 3,000 tonnes of potatoes for Tesco's and things like that. It's very interesting. You look at a field of wheat, you look out the back of some of Adrian's fields, and they look really nice like that. Beautiful crop. And Jesus often talks about the kingdom as being a harvest. One seed is planted, 60, 100 seeds are, are, are harvested. And, uh, so maybe we have a feeling of, of uh, like that. But if you look a bit closer, actually some of the fields look more like that. Um, there's the barley, but in the fields uh, are, well, you might call them weeds. But have a little bit closer. Oops. There's some beautiful stuff growing in there, isn't there? Especially if you go to the five-head arable fields just up the road, where they're, they're using traditional methods and not using weed killers and, and things. Um, um, there's all sorts of things growing up together. And I think it is... Uh, I don't want to take this too far, because you know, clearly in Jesus' parable, he's talking about the wheat as being the pure kingdom fruit... But actually, when things grow up, there are all sorts of things growing together. And it's quite difficult sometimes to work out if that is good or if that is bad. So what did Jesus actually tell us to do? What did he tell the farmer to do? Leave it alone. Let it grow up. Um, Hopefully encourage the kingdom stuff. But if it's growing up alongside, uh, you know, things that are not good, and for many of us who are parents, our children are, are growing up in a world where they're going to be surrounded by all sorts of stuff, and teaching them to discern what is good and what is bad is, is, is difficult. But actually, you know, identifying the kingdom of God, let me just say a few things about, just a few pointers, and I think you will need to think and pray about this in your house groups. What can we say about the kingdom? The kingdom is wider than the church. Thank God. I, I, I love this church, but it's a small church, isn't it? And, you know, if this is the whole kingdom, you know, heaven help us. <laughs> uh, but actually, a very important part of the kingdom, but the kingdom is bigger than church. Uh, and we're not just about church building, we're about kingdom building. So let's look wider. And, and what you're doing in your daily work or... You know, outside of what you're doing actually under the church umbrella is really important. It's all kingdom stuff. Uh, second thing, the kingdom comes in individuals when they respond to Christ. So there might be just one really special plant in the middle of that field. And if you chopped it all down, you'd, 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 you'd miss it. So actually, it's individuals 
And, and when Jesus comes into somebody's heart, the kingdom has come in that place. And that's, uh, there'll be rejoicing in heaven over one, one sinner who repents, yeah? Um, the kingdom comes when healing takes place. So those of you involved in the healing ministry, as nurses or um, in, in prayer ministry, when, when something like that takes place, the kingdom has come. Kingdom comes when poverty is relieved. So those of you that are involved in um, helping with the food bank uh, and, and, uh, or supporting um, mission in, in really poor places, then the kingdom comes... You know, Mother Teresa in the streets of Calcutta, the kingdom's there, surely. The kingdom comes where, where the peacemakers are at work. And boy, do we need to pray for the peacemakers in this world. But it not necessarily, we're not necessarily talking about G20s uh, and major diplomatic things. We're talking about maybe families where peacemakers within local things. Um, the kingdom comes where people are restoring God's environment. For many, many years, Christians thought that practical things were not important, physical things, only spiritual things. It's a very dangerous policy because it separates our understanding of the wholeness of creation. Actually, we're here to bring, um, to bring restoration to the whole of creation. It just reminds me of... Uh, a particular book which uh, had an impact on me and, and an organisation called Intermediate Technology. A book called uh, um, by Schumacher called Small is Beautiful. So really, he was an economist and he wrote this book saying, it's not all about big stuff. Small is beautiful. So you are beautiful because you're small, okay? You're a small church. We are a small church. But that's beautiful. If we've got lots of beautiful small things going on, that's, that's, that's really great. You don't have to be massive. And that's what I saw yesterday, a massive farm and a small farm, both doing great things. And uh, the other thing is a song by Tom Paxton. Do you know this one? Peace, peace will, peace will come, and let it begin with me. I like that, do you? You know, if we're praying for the peace of the world, peace, peace will, peace will come, let it begin with me. Oh, my own life is all that I can hope to control. Oh, let my life be lived for the good, good of my soul, let it bring peace. Deep peace, peace will come, let it begin with me. It's a great little song, and it, it, the only thing we can change, and we get, we get really, I don't know about you, I feel inadequate when I think of the size of the problems in the world. But actually, the kingdom can come when people open their lives and say, Lord, reign in me. So the questions to ponder this week are, is God reigning in your heart? God reigning in my heart? And is your prayer for God's kingdom to come? Because if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these other things will come.